0: what my new puppy can teach us about leading people, what we were like in high school, and our first Boss Hero Spotlight. It's coming right up on Boss Better Now.
1: You're listening to Boss Better Now. Please welcome speaker, author, and Pisces, Joe Mall.
0: Hello, Boss Heroes. Welcome to the show. Whether you're new to leading people or you've been doing it for years, we are here to applaud you. We are here to celebrate all the things that are hard and special and rewarding and maddening about being a boss. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, professional coach, Alyssa Mullett. Greetings, Alyssa.
1: Greetings and salutations.
0: (laughs) I am so excited that today we get to, to, to talk about my puppy.
1: I was going to ask you because... I have been, I don't know if you know this. I I don't think I've actually openly admitted it to you. I have been vicariously living through your social media pictures Ah, of your puppy. I, I've been contemplating in our household, whether we're going to bring another animal into the whole fold. Our dog, uh, passed away last year after 12 glorious, glorious years of love. And, uh, The whole puppy thing seems so amazing. But then I remember all the work, too. And so (laughs) I'm interested to hear all the stories, all the
0: stories. (laughs) I I feel like that's a shameless plug for my Instagram, where if you want to see the puppy pictures, just head on over to at Joe Mall 77 and you'll get to meet Flash. So Flash is uh, Dalmatian. I have wanted a Dalmatian my entire life and I'm a, I'm very much a dog person. I grew up with dogs. My mom used to train dogs, so we're we're very much a dog family. And I have rescued and raised a number of incredible dogs. Um, every dog I had had prior to this one actually was a rescue. And you know, we we had a beautiful lab mix named Lady who lived 16 years and uh, passed away two years ago. Um, in in that 16 years, we had a, a border collie and uh, who was just a ton of fun. His name was Tramp. Yeah, our dogs were Lady and Tramp. Don't at me. Just you know, <laughs> let that go by, people. Um, and so we went about two years without a dog, and to be honest, it was we were good with that. I travel a lot for work, or I used to, <laughs> and we, we, you know, we try to do a lot of family stuff, family trips, family gatherings, and so not having to, uh, you know, worry about the dog was really great for a while. But then we came into 2020, kind of going, you know, let let's maybe start thinking about this again. Because it does feel like it it completes our household. Mm. And um, my middle child, my son, Miles, had started asking, can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? And Mm. um, at the time, he was seven and a half. And so very much in that age range of, you know, a boy who wants a dog. Yes. But an interesting thing happened when the global pandemic arrived. Everybody got a puppy. So the first thing we did is we said, if we're going to get a puppy, let's look to shelters. Let's look to rescue. And here's the thing. You know, I have three kids. Now they're 10, 8, and 4. If I'm going to bring an animal into my home, it has to be a puppy. You know, mm-hmm. an, an, an older animal coming in with some pr- potentially pre-existing conceptions and relationships with kids, yeah. I, I need that animal to be raised from the jump with my kids. Totally Especially get it. my 4-year-old who's a bit of a lunatic.
1: <laughs> but we love him too.
0: Oh, he's a doll baby. He's the joy of our lives. But oh man, um, you know we—he he, there is nothing he can't climb. Uh, and at four, he still has not spoken a word in his life. He only yells, Alyssa. He only everything is top volume. He's like Daddy, can I have some juice, please? And you're like, I'm I'm sitting right here. Why are you There's Why is there yelling?
1: Because I'm that intense. That's yes. the that's the level of kid that I had from the start, uh, and that's why I only have the one. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's one.
0: <laughs> so so long story short, uh, when when puppies were really unavailable through rescue through shelter, we started toying this I, I toying with this idea of kind of having this little dream come true for me. Of I had always wanted a Dalmatian as long as I can remember, and um. So fast forward, and um, in August, we adopted Flash. Um, and someday I'll tell you the story about the naming, because it's really funny. Um, I'll d- okay, I'll really quickly, I'll just tell you now. I told my wife we're not letting the kids name the dog, okay? Because it's going to end up being something stupid, like Spot or Oreo or Pongo, right? Something too cliched for our Dalmatian. I said, so I feel like we just need we we were gonna surprise both of my sons have August birthdays. So we were gonna surprise them and say, Happy birthday. Next week we're going to pick up our puppy.
1: Okay.
0: And and his name is blank. Gotcha. But we were really struggling to figure out the name. And so I I, I forget what we settled on actually now. Um But at their little Just Us birthday gathering, they opened, we had them unwrap, and there was a picture of of now Flash. Okay. And (laughs) they opened the picture, and they're, oh my gosh, we're getting a puppy! And my sister-in-law yells, what are you going to name it? And without missing a beat, my two oldest kids at the exact same time yelled, spot! (laughs) and <laughs> i'm going no and i said well we'll see maybe we should meet the dog first and maybe we'll tell you some of the other names we were thinking about and then we can all decide together to not <laughs> name him spot <laughs> not name the dalmatian puppy spot so we ended up uh, we had to, to, to drive a, a good distance to pick him up. And, mm. um, when they met him, one of the names that we had on our list was Flash and they said, we think we should name him Flash. So that's how he got his name. But anyway. Excellent. So, He's so you're, are simple. you thinking about a particular breed no. are you thinking about a particular timeline?
1: We had, uh, also a rescue. Um, she was a lab shepherd mix previously. Here's what I struggle with is, we had 2020 for us was to be our first year of not having that commitment of Mm -hmm. the dog. And so we had this amazing vacation to an all inclusive plan and it was going to be balls. And we had this other vacation plan and, you know, and of course none of that actually happened. And then my kid wanted to do, and we decided it was best for our family to do remote school. Mm -hmm. So, now we have all this togetherness right and <laughs> I of which get there
0: is no escape
1: correct and <laughs> he's of the ripe age of six and a half and he you know he wants that dog too um and on one hand i think like oh the boy he's an only child he should have a best friend that you know, that he can actually touch and feel right now. And, um, and oh. I think that that would be really great and good. And then the other part of me, you know, I want to kind of negatively name it for myself to say the selfish part of me wants to go, but that's a really big commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just for the right now, right here, you know, to give him a companion because in six years, he's going to be down the road playing with lots of other real human boys and girls. And guess who's going to be walking that dog? Guess who's going to be feeding that dog? Guess who's going to be pooping or scooping the poop (laughs) out of the yard? That's yours truly. And I, I'm not ready for that of
0: commitment right now. And you're right, uh, you know, and, and here's the puppies have changed, apparently, from when I previously had a dog, because now new dogs, my dog poops 47 times a day. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if we, maybe we got a bad one. Maybe we got a Monday dog, you know, <laughs> but something's weird about it. Cause like, I have never seen production like this.
1: <laughs> Ramped up production. Yes. Okay. Duly noted. See again, I'm, I'm.
0: So be, yeah, be on the ready. <laughs> okay.
1: Excellent. But that actually
0: is, is a perfect setup for why I wanted to talk about Flash today, because you know you and I have a lot of conversations about mindset and the the value system that leaders bring to their work and how important it is, how crucial it is to being able to do the work well. And I, I see so many parallels between the experience that we're having with this puppy and mm-hmm. why mindset matters. So let me try to set this up in in the way that it makes sense in my head. Okay. Okay. So if you know anything about Dalmatians, you know that uh, they have a reputation for being high-strung. That's the first thing. When you tell somebody, we adopted a Dalmatian, it's remarkable the number of people who will go, oh, yeah, I heard that maybe they're not so good with kids, and they're a little high-strung. If you just do a little bit of reading about the breed, you learn a couple of things. First, Dalmatians are incredibly active. There are some who say that as a breed, they probably require more activity than perhaps any other breed. Dalmatians were bred to be carriage dogs, to run alongside carriages. And so no matter how active you are, you're not going to tire out your Dalmatian.
1: Gotcha, okay. Right,
0: before you get tired. And second is that Dalmatians get very clingy um, they bond very quickly with their families, and if they are not properly socialized very early on, because they are so bonded with their families, they see anyone outside of the immediate nuclear family as a threat. And so, yes, if if a Dalmatian goes into a home with kids and they don't get vigorous exercise and they don't get really well socialized, they become high-strung, unhappy, mentally unhealthy animals. mm mm-hmm. So, we knew going in that if we were going to do this, we had to adhere to a couple of commitments, right? We knew that we needed to to plan to give this dog vigorous activity as often as possible. So, our standard is, can we give this animal two 45-minute walks a day? And if we can swap out a walk with some really active play with the neighbor's dog, okay, that counts. But are are we budgeting in our lives the time and effort that it takes to give the, the, the animal the physical activity that it needs? Okay. And that was one. The second was... How and where and when are we going to socialize the heck out of this dog so that it doesn't become aggressive, that it becomes friendly, that it learns to trust us when other people are around, that it doesn't become standoffish with other humans? And are we prepared to take the dog everywhere we go if possible, especially in that first year or two of its life so that it's well socialized? Mm. And so these were commitments that we needed to make. We needed to create the proper environment for the dog to come into in order for that dog to be at its best. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and so that was the first part of this. The second part of this is what it takes to teach a dog properly. So one of the first things that I wanted to work on is leash training with a dog. If you've ever seen a dog who has not been properly trained on a leash, you'll see somebody getting dragged drug right dragged, which is the proper grammar drug dragged I think it's I don't dragged. know.
1: I generally just see them trailing way behind their animal and (laughs) their arm is vigorously extended and they are trying to hold on for dear life. Yes.
0: I'm going to go with, with dragged. They're being (laughs) dragged up the street, down the street. And then these, you know, what ends up happening is my dog drags me all over the place and it's, it it is really difficult to walk the dog. So I just give up and now the dog isn't getting exercise, and now the dog becomes mentally unstable and et cetera, et cetera. So We wanted to leash train Flash as early as possible. And what you learn when you really start to read about how to do this well is that there are a couple of things that are crucial for me to do with the animal. The first is I have to be really positive, like positive attitude with the dog. I cannot have a really sophisticated set of demands for this animal right out of the gate. The first thing I need to do is bond with the animal earn its trust, and coax it along. So I'm not pulling the dog. What they tell you is if you're trying to leash train a dog and the dog doesn't want to walk, you don't drag the dog. You're just creating resistance. You're teaching the dog that being on the leash is unpleasant. Hmm. You need to coax the dog, whether it's with using a little treat or using your your happy, come here puppy voice, and you know doing the things to get the dog to follow you, to want to follow you. Okay, okay. The second thing is you have to have reasonable expectations for what that animal is going to be capable of. The dog is not going to walk beautifully on the leash the first day or the second day or the 10th day. You've got to put in the work to make some baby steps. And so the first couple of days of leash training aren't really about walking on the leash. They're sort of just about getting used to being clipped on a leash and getting used to just when I take a step, you take a step. And then we progress toward walking, and then we progress toward walking with a loose leash, and then we progress toward, no, I'm leading. You're following. And so one of the things that I've thought a lot about in the many, 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 many many walks that Flash and I have been on together are the parallels between being a boss and bringing this kind of mindset. Because I have caught myself not having my positive attitude, being frustrated, yanking on the dog a little bit. And I've had to stop myself and say, "Hold on, you—you're not being positive. You're not being patient. Your expectations aren't reasonable right now, and so now you are creating an environment that is not going to result in this dog doing what you want it to do." Are—are are you following me? Am I making sense here about I, why mindset matters?
1: I—I I feel you. So what we're saying is that it's the mindset of the boss that sets the
0: environment in which people thrive or not thrive? Or at least at, at, at a very basic level, what am I going for? Okay. Like when okay. I walk through the door at work, I know that I need to show up as A, B, and C if I want to earn people's trust and I want them to, to follow me where I'm asking them to go. What are A, B, and C? And how are you catching yourself when maybe you're not staying true to those.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That makes absolute sense. And, and as with everything that you put out into the world, it is a beautiful illustration and a wonderful story. And <laughs> I absolutely, there are many things that I wrote down there about this level of expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So expectations contribute yeah. to mindset. Yeah. Commitments mm-hmm. both to ourselves and to others, right? Um contribute to mindset. What are some of the other things again just to highlight uh for our boss heroes that you think most contribute to mindset?
0: I think clarity is important. I think doing the work ahead of time to sit down and say what's most important, where am I trying to go, what 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 is the destination? Right. I know ultimately the destination with Flash is that in a perfect world I could walk down the trail with him with no leash, and he's going to stay right there next to me in the spot where I want him walking. And you know, folks listening to this, please understand, I am not trying to equate. Leading your people with training a dog to walk on a leash. That is not that is not what this is. The analogy is in the work I did before entering that relationship with the dog. Yes. Yes. And, and the getting the clarity on what I needed to focus on and be about. And then the noticing of when I wasn't sticking to that. That's the analogy. It's not that we're that you're you're the pack leader, and you're <laughs> gonna let these folks know you poop when I tell you to poop, pal. <laughs> that is not what this is.
1: That sounds very John Wayne ish. I don't know if that's at all, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I would listen to you whenever you use that voice on me. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's what I think, and I think there are, there's also alignment here, Alyssa, in so much of the work that you do as a coach in helping people define their values, because you know yeah. this mindset and values piece are both about being clear, who are you, what are you about, what are you trying to go for, What? why are, are values and mindset linked, and how valuable are they when, when they are clear to a boss?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of... Um linkage between those two, um, very tactical things. Right. Um, and one of them you just said is that you set this mindset, right. With these commitments and these expectations and this kind of pre-work, right. And the same thing applies with our values. This is like what we are at our core, right. So these two things are innately within us, Mm -hmm. but then through noticing and self-awareness, we're trying to go, Oh, okay. Is this part of my mindset? Is this part of the values? Is this not jiving between either of those things? Mm -hmm. And that's whenever you got to go, Oh, okay. I got to notice that. What am I going to do? I got to change trajectory. I got to change course because I'm not, I'm not meeting my expectations or my commitments that I set out for in setting Mm -hmm. my mindset or in being authentic to my values.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. That's perfect. We're going to continue to talk about values-based leadership and mindset on future shows in our podcast. We would be doing a disservice to you and to the topic by suggesting that we can compartmentalize this in a 20-minute podcast segment on one show. So We will continue to come back to this. I will continue to try to provide updates on Flash. I'm sure you will hear about it. What's funny is that you know, you hear over and over again, Dalmatians need tons of exercise. Um, my dog sleeps a lot. <laughs> the other thing you hear is that I, I read that Dalmatians rarely bark. they I read that they just it's not a it's not a behavior that they engage in a lot, that you could go years without hearing your dog bark. My dog never shuts up. so my <laughs> my dog sleeps a lot and never stops barking, and and maybe we got a Monday dog. but he, <laughs> He's a doll, and and, and we love him to death. And you can see pictures over on my Instagram, at JoeMall77. Hey, while you're out there on the internet, be sure to like our Boss Better Now podcast page on Facebook, where you can leave comments, ask questions, suggest ideas for the show, and more. And please also subscribe to the podcast. We really need you to write a review and tell others about our show so that we can continue to do something special here for you and uh, for the the boss community that we're trying to build so uh, please take a moment and do that this week we'd really greatly appreciate it
1: you need to just use that john wayne voice again tell them to do it
0: well i'm going to use it to tell you that it's time for the camaraderie question of the week I don't even think I'm doing the same voice that I did before. It was very organic. (laughs) I don't know what it was.
1: I don't think we can replicate that.
0: Okay. We are at the camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. So every week we're going to give you a question you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. Cool. So our camaraderie question of the week is this, Alyssa. Tell us what you were into in high school
1: tell me, okay, so what I was into in high school, (sighs) I was, I was a little bit into everything. Um, although nothing really at all. Um, I don't know if that means anything to you (laughs) because I haven't said anything. Um, (laughs) here's the thing. Okay. So I liked a lot of different things. Um, I liked, um, art and I liked, um, sports. I, I actually did play softball and basketball. Um, I was even participated in some beauty pageants that I won, but the other part of that, that you have to understand is I, my high school was 7th grade through 12th grade with 200 students. I graduated with 36 it's kids tiny. in my class. Tiny 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 yeah. tiny. And so um it was kind of like everybody had to participate in everything in order to have anything at all. Got it. So that's why I say I liked a lot of things because you needed to like a lot of things or else there wouldn't be any of those things. I see. So I feel like jack of all trades, master of none was kind of like my MO in high school. That's what I was into. And I, I always had a job after school. I was, you know, working at the local restaurant or scrubbing toilets up the street. I was always hustling to get me some gas money.
0: Yeah. Okay. And in a high school that small, there is no anonymity. There's no hiding there. I mean, (laughs) high school already feels like everybody's up in your business anyway, but boy, a a school that size, I I can't even imagine.
1: The up in your business has like different tenfolds of levels of magnification when you're talking about that size of classroom. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. What about
1: you? Oh, I... I'm already pegging you for the, I, I think you might've been in the band. I know for sure theater thing has always been in your blood, but yeah. what else are you into? What, am I right?
0: I was not into the band. Oh, um, okay. So, oh, I was very I, into some of the girls who were into the band, but that's <laughs> a different answer. Um, I was, I was a choir kid, a theater and a choir kid. And that was very much by happenstance, um, I had a very small central group of friends go, you know, going into eighth grade and then ninth grade. My my high school was nine through 12 um, in the, the Mon Valley in western Pennsylvania. And ninth grade was almost a throwaway year because I didn't really get into anything. And at the end of my freshman year in high school, on the very last day of school, a friend of mine said uh what are you doing after lunch period and i said oh we're going to this class he's like we'll get a hall pass and come to the choir room with me we'll play cards <laughs> and so i did and and i went into the choir room and i'm playing cards with with my friend bill and uh this four foot eleven five foot tall a- italian lady comes walking out of the office she goes, who are you and this was the choir director Okay. And I said, I'm Joe. She said, Joe, you sing? I said, no, I can't sing. She said, everybody can learn to sing. You're joining the choir. <laughs> and I was like, wait, lady, slow down. And she and she wasn't having it. She was like, no, go down to the office, change your schedule for the fall. You're in my room right now. You're joining the choir. And the only thing that popped into my mind was, well, my mom would like that. <laughs> <gasps> my, my mom would like, would like going to the choir shows. And I had a lot of friends who were in choir, and I was like, eh, okay.
1: You were already there. I was figured, I'm like, why uh, not?
0: Okay. Um, I honest to God, I think that saved my life. I, I had a rough time in high school, and and having that experience, and you know that that woman is is one of the most influential people I've ever met in my life. That teacher, I, I'm not going to talk about that now because I'll get emotional, but we'll we'll do that someday. But um, Mrs. Spadero, Esther Spadero, at Ringgold High School, um, whose nickname was Spud. Everybody called her Spud. Um, <laughs> and who's just a saint of a woman for the students who who um, were able to be with her. Uh, and that led to me in high school being uh, – I got to go to New York City. I sang on stage at Carnegie Hall in New York City. I got to sing with Marvin Hamlish in the Pittsburgh Pops. I got to sing um, – I got to do some pretty incredible things because of that day that I wandered into uh, the the – Choir classroom. I was uh, Frederick in the Pirates of Penzance my senior year, uh, the, the the lead role, um, and you know that that led me to a, a degree in the performing arts. I, in tenth grade, they put me on stage and said, "Sing," and I could sing, and I decided to try to get better at it. And uh, that was that was what I was into in high school. I end up getting a four year degree in the performing arts, and I have people who say, "Well, aren't you sad that you're not using your performing arts degree?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, every day." I'm a trainer. I'm on stage every day.
1: Absolutely. You bring it. You bring it. That's amazing. I love these questions because I love the stories. Yeah. And you boss heroes, you start putting these questions out there, you are going to love the stories you get in return too.
0: And that is our camaraderie question of the week. I'm really excited that now we get to share with you our first boss hero story. So we've asked you to share with us the stories of the boss heroes in your life. These are bosses who are worthy of acknowledgement, worthy of just a moment in the spotlight for the ways in which they have gone out into the world and attempted to support and serve others as a leader. And our boss hero story today comes from Lisa Wa- is about, excuse me, is about Lisa Wanamaker and is submitted by Jenna Calabrese of Stevensville, Maryland. Jenna, I'm sorry if I got the last name wrong. It could be Jenna Calabrese. I think it's Calabrese though. I'm going to go with that. And if I'm You're wrong- gonna Jenna, you am going to work on your
1: just, Italian, I think. You, you can, just
0: hit you... me up on social media, Jenna. You can you can scold me if I got it wrong. Um Lisa, our Boss Hero Spotlight, is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I want to share with you what Jenna sent us about Lisa. I've had the privilege of working with Lisa Wanamaker at two different organizations over a span of 15 years and want to share what an impact she's had on my life and career. I began in the medical field at 17 in an urgent care center in Maryland. Lisa was the COO And I started as a patient care technician. Throughout my time at the urgent care center, I had many positive interactions with Lisa. Though she was very busy in her role, managing well over 100 people, she always made sure to connect personally with the staff whenever she was on site. She was firm and fair with any issues that arose and used any opportunity she could to help coach the staff and build our confidence and skills. Four years later, Lisa ended up leaving that organization after 16 years to become an administrator of a busy pediatric practice. I was sad to see her go, but happy for her and her new adventure. About a year later, after I graduated from nursing school, I got a call from Lisa regarding a position in her practice, and I jumped at the chance to work under her again. Now fast forward two years, and I had applied for an internal leadership position in the organization, which would entail helping to manage 40-plus clinical staff. I had no manager or leadership experience. However, Lisa recognized my motivation and willingness to learn. During my time as a clinical manager, I learned countless things from Lisa about what it takes to be a successful leader. She taught me how to connect with my employees and instilled in me her firm but fair approach when having to perform disciplinary action. She helped guide me in the unknown territory of creating policies and procedures, managing the day-to-day operations within my department, as well as looking at the big picture. One of the things Lisa would have us do, what us managerial staff do, is set three quarterly goals— We were required to provide a 30-, 60-, and 90-day timeline on how we would accomplish these goals, and at the end of the quarter, we would then have to submit a summary regarding these goals, whether we were successful, what roadblocks were encountered, and what was needed to sustain any new initiatives put in place. I will be honest and say that, at first, this was not my favorite thing to do. It seemed a bit cumbersome, and it was sometimes difficult to think of three goals at once. But today, I am grateful for those goals. And this is how I approach operational issues at my current practice. It also motivates me to evaluate current policies and find better, more effective ways to perform tasks. Lisa taught me the importance of leading by example. Lisa would never ask us to perform something that she wasn't willing to do herself. She was never afraid to get her hands dirty and she always helped whenever there was a need. Lisa provided me with countless tools that I utilize on a daily basis, both in my career and my personal life, through her mentorship, as well as sending me to seminars. She's always willing to invest in her staff, and this has helped mold me into the leader I am today. I cannot thank her enough for all she has done for me and many others. Although we no longer work together, as she has flown (laughs) south to warmer weather. I still reach out for guidance whenever I'm faced with a challenge, and she's always willing to share her knowledge. Of course, this is after I ask myself, what would Lisa do? And that is our first boss hero story. So to Lisa Wanamaker, on behalf of Jenna Calabrese and all other boss heroes out there, thank you so much for all that you've done. You are a boss hero. Alyssa what do you think of that?
1: Oh, all the feels, man, all the <laughs> feels. I mean, a- and just, I think that there's so much to unpack in that, in that one story of mm-hmm. very specific examples of what makes a boss hero. Right. Um, but also I want to, I want to focus also on Jenna mm-hmm. because you know what, Jenna, it, takes a boss hero to no one Mm -hmm. so i think that there's a real big gratitude that while you're giving that title and praise to lisa right back at you sister yeah you you're doing it you're Doing all the things that boss heroes do because that's what Lisa showed to you to do.
0: What an extraordinary example both are for the the, the kind of leaders that we are building this show for and creating a, a safe place for and trying to be food for the boss's soul four um and what a terrific example of how to do a submission to our boss hero stories right we've all been doing performance reviews for years and we're used to getting like uh exceeds expectations he's a super nice person and you know always asks me how i'm doing and cares about me a lot and it's three sentences of the most generic thing and like jenna showed up and brought us so much detail and told us the arc right told us the story gave us specific examples uh if you want to make sure that you get a spotlight shined shown shined it's a lot of grammar questions in this episode got a spotlight on the person you are nominating you're going to want to do what jenna did you know here's the other thing the story jenna shared about working for lisa reminds us of the power of believing in someone, right? When Lisa made time to build a genuine relationship with Jenna early in her career, the result was that Jenna believed in Lisa as a leader. And then when Lisa worked to build Jenna's confidence and skills, Jenna started believing in herself. And so years later, when Lisa needed a new clinical manager, she again believed in Jenna and gave her an opportunity. And then both had benefited from the result. And I think the the takeaway is that it's easy most of the time to get consumed by the day-to-day demands of managing people and being in charge. But this is what the best bosses do. They believe in people. They spot talent. They nurture it. They shine a light on it. They work to build a meaningful relationship with every person on their team. And the time and effort it takes to do this as a boss isn't treated as a luxury. It's the priority. I think it begs the question. Who has believed in you and your career? Who goes home at night where you work knowing that you believe in them? Where and how can you do more to spot talent, build relationships, and help others to rise? So thank you to Jenna for the submission. Thank you, Lisa, for all that you do as a boss hero. Alyssa, big ahas or takeaways or final thoughts on today's episode.
1: I can't. I got all the feels right now, Joe. I can't. <laughs> well, no,
0: I maybe. think Lisa's story is the perfect ending point. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for all that you do to take care of so many.
1: This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemall.com today.
0: Hey, boss heroes. More than once you've heard me say commitment comes from better bosses. But where do better bosses come from? Answer, the Joe Mullen Associates Boss Better Leadership Development Program. The managers on your team are going to develop the self-awareness, knowledge, skills, and relationships critical to success in a one-day training. If you want them to motivate teams, maximize effort, and create the conditions for your employees to thrive, they need ongoing education. It's like going to the gym. If you go once, you'll get a good workout, but no long-term results. If you keep going, though, you get healthier and healthier over time. The same is true for bosses. They need continuous learning and mentorship. When your organization subscribes to our Boss Better Leadership Development Program, all your leaders get access to my quarterly micro-trainings, my live coaching clinics, our digital vault of on-demand training, and more. Our approach keeps the time commitment low, but the impact sky high. Oh, and everything we do is evidence-based and highly entertaining, if I do say so myself. So what are you waiting for? Let's give your leaders the skills, tools, and knowledge they need to supercharge commitment and boss better. For more information or to get a quote, email us at hello at joemull.com.